0: Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On January 21st, 11 storytellers shared their stories with our audience at Holy Hound Tap Room in downtown York. Our theme for the evening was Best Day Ever, and we had a packed house. We heard stories about childhood wonder, the true spirit of holidays spent with family, and overcoming and letting go. In the end, we had a tie. One of our winners was Corey Wolf with the story of his participation in a fundraising gala he desperately wanted to attend. Here's Corey.
1: Hello. Uh, So I consider my best day ever um, a Cinderella story, in which I am Cinderella in that story. Um, My favorite movie of all time is Moulin Rouge, the 2001 Baz Luhrmann version of it. I've seen it over 40 times. I have two different versions. I love the movie. So you can imagine how excited I was when I found out that the fundraiser event, Galavant, at the Appell Center last May was going to be themed Moulin Rouge. Over the moon, so excited, until I saw the ticket price. The ticket price was $225. And mind you, I work at a nonprofit. So... But this was going to be the best event of the year. It was going to be so exciting. My favorite movie turned into an event. So days and weeks roll by, I see pictures they post, and I'm like, oh, this is so exciting. And then I, I put a ticket in a, in a cart online. I laughed for a few minutes and then deleted the cart. <laughs> I'm, I was poor. But then a few weeks after that, I realized that the tickets had sold out. They made a big deal, like, saying tickets sold out. It was very sad. But I came to the realization very quickly that I wasn't going to be able to go. It's fine. I was a poor person at the time. I wasn't in the upper crust. Um, and I actually had scheduled a shift at Mud Hook Brewing Company as a server for that evening. So I was really out of the game was gonna be a lowly server across Cherry Lane where all the action was happening. So I was okay with that. But the day of the event, I completely changed my mindset for some reason. I was like, I need to go to that event somehow. And first I posted a Facebook. I was like, anyone looking for a date, hit me up. Didn't go anywhere at all. And. And then I thought, well, what if I slipped someone at the back door some money? Like, just did that. So that became my very first attempt to bribe someone. (laughs) It was my very first failure at bribing someone, mind you. Um, But, so that evening, I went to Mudhook. I was nearing the end of my shift and the owner, Jeff Lau, came to me and he said, you put on your outfit, you go up to the Appel Center and you say, let me buy any ticket that's left over. Shortly, there was leftover tickets. That made sense. He gave me a lot of confidence because he's good at that. So I put on my really great outfit, which I looked amazing. And I I did. I really did. I went to the Appell Center, and I started going up, and I walked right past, super anxious. I turned around, and I go up to the attendant, and right before I could ask, is there any tickets left? He shuffles me and says, sir, the the program's about to start. Go in. I didn't have to ask my question. I, I didn't pay for a ticket. I did not pay for a ticket. $225. And so quickly, my anxiety goes to 11, and I see someone I know, and I sidle up to them. I, I have some random conversation. I don't even know what it was. And after a while, he's just like, so how'd you, how'd you get in here? And I'm just like, I just walked in. He laughed, and the program started. Uh, the whole first hour, I was super ready for two security guards to take me by both arms and take me out. Didn't happen. The event was amazing. The the lighting, the the decorations, the alcohol, the food, everything was amazing. The giant fake elephant was fantastic. I was living my best life, feeling like a fancy person. Um, I spent every single mudhook earned dollar on table games, so I I paid my money's worth, I swear. Um, (laughs) By the end of the night, everyone was up on stage, dancing with the band, drunk, happy, everything. I even got invited to the after party, which, like, I made it. I'm, I'm one of them. I'm an imposter, but I am one of them. And it was amazing. But my Cinderella story did have to come to an end. Uh, the 100 footsteps between the Appel Center and the Handsome Cab, somewhere along those ways, I became very drunk. Um, after... <laughs> After a quick nap at the uh, Handsome cab bathroom, I tried, I, I tried to have a drink and a conversation, but like I abruptly was like, I need to go home now. And I just went on my way, and it was perfect timing. As soon as I got into Clark Alley, heading east, right by Revival, it's a sacred spot for me now, as soon as I get there, I just puke all over myself. <laughs> It was, my carriage turned back into a pumpkin. Six more minutes of walking to my house were the longest ever. I get to my back door. I peel my clothes off, because vomit, I was going to keep it outside. I was at least sober enough to do that. But I realized I did not have my keys. Um, But drunk Corey needed to sleep, so I took my elbow and decided that I'm just going to crack the window open. Go in that way. I managed, I got in all of that. Despite starting that day with immense amounts of disappointment and sadness and a lot of anxiety in the middle of it and then ending the day with a puke covered shirt and a trip to Lowe's to get a new window pane. That was absolutely hands down my best day ever. And I will leave you though, I will leave you though with two things. One, don't try to break in this year because they are beefing up security. And two, if anyone has a spare ticket for the emp, please let me know. Thank you.
0: Corey earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Next up is our second winner, Kat Knapp, who shared about a turning point in her relationship with her family.
2: That's my real name, I swear. I can show you my license afterwards if you want to see it. (laughs) Um, And I also swear that I did not coordinate with Sam before any of this took place tonight um, because um, my best day ever has a very similar theme. It was funny because the other day I was in Bed Bath & Beyond getting what you get there in the Beyond part of the store. And I see a piece of art that says, family is everything. And it made me chuckle because, you know, you hear that phrase all the time, or at least I did growing up. And when you grow up in an abusive household, it's very confusing. And you realize that family is everything, well, Everything sucks. It really, really sucks. But you know, you still try and do the right thing, and you talk to your friends, and they say, well, you only have one mom, right? You only have one dad. So you've got to work it out. And it was in the fall of, well, maybe the summer of 2013 when I think my family and I realized that my father was going to die from oral cancer. Don't smoke. That's the moral of the story tonight. But beyond that... We knew that he was terminal at that point. So I travel a lot for work. I'm a teacher, but I don't actually contribute to society. As a side note, I'm a corporate cog. So um, thank you to all of you who give back. I'm not one of them. All right. So anyway, I travel a lot. And I started to put together very complex flights. Um, uh, I I work for a global company. So I was living in Pittsburgh at the time. So it was Pittsburgh, Prague, Jacksonville, Palo Alto, Tokyo. Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, Prague. I mean, it was all over the place. And it was tough, but you know, I mean, he was dying and he liked it when I took care of him because I was the only one willing to put scotch into his feeding tube. (laughs) But I digest. Anyway. (laughs) um, (laughs) So, you know, finally we get the call in June of 2014 that we're going to hospice, right? It's the time has come. So I go down there and I hadn't actually seen my sisters or my stepmother in a while. And they don't like me. I'm the black sheep. You know, I mean, it's very difficult being divorced, even though my parents are divorced and childless and a Democrat and fat all at the same time. I'm their walking worst nightmare. But I go in there and of course the snacks I brought weren't correct and the things I was saying weren't right. And, you know, I wasn't parking the car in the right place. And so my stepmother comes up to me and says, you know, your sister's boyfriend is coming into town tomorrow and he needs a place to stay. So you're going to have to leave the house. Now, unfortunately, and it is unfortunate, my parents are obnoxiously wealthy. So I'm like, "Okay, we have like 27 bedrooms and there's like five adults. But OK, I'll get a room. And it was 11 o'clock at night. So I said, how about I we get the room tomorrow? I just say the house tonight. That's fine. So as I start to walk out, my my sister says, let me walk with you. And as we're walking together, she's telling me, you know how much mom hates you. And I knew this, my mother and I had been (laughs) estranged for a long time at that point, about five years. And then, oh, my stepmother hates you too. You know, everything's terrible. You haven't been taking care of dad very well. And I just looked at her finally, after all of this prodding and said, you know, I'm really sick of getting kicked out of my goddamn family. Sometimes I just want to die. Which, this is another lesson for everyone, don't ever say that in Florida. Because the next thing you know, I'm suddenly surrounded by police cars and the FBI actually. When your parents are wealthy, they're also connected. So I'm suddenly in the back of the police car in handcuffs and uh, there is a, you know, this FBI guy is talking to the police officers and saying, all we've ever wanted is to never have to deal with her again. So could you please take her away? So we get to the psych ward and they wouldn't let me pee and people are walking around naked and screaming and there's no bed so I'm sitting in the middle of the floor. And all of a sudden I thought, holy shit. Family is nothing. This is a bunch of bullshit, right? Like all we are the A's and the T's and the G's and the C's like hanging out in a similar way wrapped around histones of bullshit and abuse and codependency that I am now carrying through my generation. And I thought, you know, maybe I just need to let this go. Maybe I need not to try so hard. And when you do that, and when you finally make that realization that all you have to do is set down the rocks, even if the rocks are all related to you, then you can actually find room in your life for recovery. Please go to Adult Children of Alcoholics. It's amazing, and it changed my life. But when you find recovery and you get room in your life for healthy relationships and love, the most important one, of course, being falling in love with yourself, then you realize through all of that that any day that you feel as though you've been reborn has got to be the best day ever. Thank
0: you. you. Kat also earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Our final story on this month's podcast comes from Tom Shelley. Tom shared his story about a time his students' actions surprised him.
3: I've had a varied career. I've been in the horse business for 30-some years. I've had championship horses and riders that I've trained. My family and I have won all kinds of different awards. I've had best days ever there. I've been in music for years. I've sung in front of some famous people. I've met some neat people. I've had some best days there. I was in the ministry for a long time. I've had some amazing days there. And I was thinking, what could I talk about? And last night it came to me. I had three former students that graduated. Oh, I was a teacher. I had three former students that graduated in 1979, and they called me up last week and said, we were thinking about you, and we want to take you out to dinner, and you choose the place. And so I chose Vito's out on (laughs) Queen Street because they have beer. Anyway, we met out there, and we had a wonderful time. And I have to tell you, I was humbled and honored with the things they said about me. You know, It's all the things that I hope young people would have got hold of. I've had a wonderful career in education. In 1991, I was the technical teacher of the year in the state of Pennsylvania. You don't know that because I got this big award. I got a free dinner and validated parking. I met the governor of the state and all these different people. And then when I came home, I thought it would be in the New York paper. It was the night the Gulf War broke out. So I thought it would say, Tom Shelley, da-da-da. <laughs> On the back page, local teacher wins. That was a cool time. But as we're telling the stories last night, my students said, Mr. Shelley, do you remember the time you didn't show up for school? Now, I taught 35 years. I hardly ever took a sick day. And I'm like, wait a minute, time out, what? They said, do you remember the day you didn't show up? And after I thought about it, I did. And what had happened was I went to the school and said, Tuesday, I'm taking a personal day, and I got something to do. And, you know, they get the substitute and all that. So Monday after school, I sat up all my projects on the table, my grade book, all the things for the substitute to do, and I took the next day off. I came into school the next morning, came into my program early before I went to the office, everything was done, everything was graded, everything was marked, all the projects were done. I walked down into my shop. My shop is about the size of a small supermarket. It's hundreds of machines. Not a chip on the floor, nothing was busted up. I thought, substitute was really good. So I went upstairs to the office to sign in, and when I walked in, the secretary said, Tom, what are you doing here today? I I didn't think they fired me because they didn't do some of the stuff I did. And I said, what do you mean? He said, your day off was yesterday. I said, no, you know, it was the day before. And they said, "Uh, yeah. I said, well, who was a substitute? The secretary said, we don't know. So my my students in first period were up in the English class. I went up, interrupted the class. And by then, the vice principal was coming behind me. Now, I won't tell you his name because he's a local guy, but he's a former Colt football player. And he's ball-headed, and the kids called him Helmet Head. (laughs) And so I walked in the classroom. I said to the teacher, I said, can I interrupt for a moment? I said, guys, I said, who was the substitute yesterday? And they said, no one showed up, Mr. Shelley. (laughs) And here's what happens. When they can't get a substitute for a technical area, I taught machine shop, they'll use the academic teachers around, and they hate to come to the shop. And so for homeroom, they'll, they'll take their time getting down there. They're late. They leave early. And sometimes they don't even show up at all. So my students said they waited and they waited and they waited, and no one came. They did pledge of the flag. The seniors got together and said, we'll run the shop till the substitute shows up. They took attendance. They had to go to gym class and lunch and one other class during the day. They lined all the juniors and, and 10th graders up and took them up there. They sat down over lunchtime and graded the projects. And they were graded accurately. I checked them. I'd walked back through the shop, and I saw another teacher that had been working in the area. I said, who was the substitute? He said, we don't know, Tom, but the kids were working as usual. They were doing their job. <laughs> and then the history teacher had come down during the day to look for me. And I said, you know, Carl, who was the substitute? He says, I don't know, Tom. I couldn't find you. I, you know, I figured you were, you know, in the corner building something. So they ran this whole shop program by themselves. I said to the kids, I said, guys, we've got one problem. You forgot about liability. Can you imagine if somebody's child would have gotten hurt there? Now, these are all teenagers. Can, you know, what they would have said, well, who was the teacher? <laughs> no one was there. Oh, it would have, that would have been in the newspaper. That would have been in the newspaper, guaranteed. So anyway, the vice principal was behind me, and we walked out in the hallway, and he said, you need to punish them. He said, they should have come upstairs and told us there was no substitute. And he knows me. If you're out of line, I'll be on you like a hawk on a rabbit. And I turned to him. And I said, I almost said his name. I can't do that. <laughs> Mr. So-and-so, I said, I'll take care of it. So I told the guys, I went back in the classroom. I said, when lunchtime comes, do not go to the cafeteria. Come down to the shop. And they're all worried. So when they came down, I gave them a big pizza party. And in the faculty room, one of the teachers one day said, ha, 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 you don't need Tom Shelley. That place can run without him, implying that I didn't do my job. I did. That was my best day ever. Thank you.
0: All the winners from this year's Open Mic Story Slam events will return to compete for the title of Best Storyteller in York. Tickets for our events are available on our website, YorkStorySlam.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook and watch videos of all the stories from our events on our YouTube channel. A big thank you to our 2020 sponsor, KBG Injury Law, whose generous support is making this season possible. We hope to see you on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.